What's up, Jets fans, and welcome to another edition of Jet Nation Live. We are your hosts, Dylan Terman and Chris Schubert. Yes, Chris Schubert is back with us again. He's going to be with us all summer, and it's going to be a special episode today. We're starting our summer ranking series. We were going to dive straight into the roster, but the way the schedule worked out, we had an extra week in between, and I said, hey, Chris, let's stack the AFC East, and he said, perfect. And if you're a follower of his content on TDN, which you should be, TDN Daily over on the YouTube channel. Um, he's been doing this on his his own page, uh, roster rankings, going through every position, going through every team. He even did coaches, which we can talk about a little bit. We didn't do it, but we can talk about it. And I think it's going to be fun. It's going to feed right into the content. And, and we're happy to have Chris. So, Chris, how are you doing tonight? Uh, doing good, man. Super excited to, to do this series. Like you mentioned, I've kind of been in the weeds with these rosters over the last couple of weeks, ranking all of these rooms. Uh, and so you said, hey, why don't we put, stack up the entire AFC East? And I said, I've kind of already got it done, so let's do it. So, yeah, I've been spending a lot of time with not just these rosters in the AFC East, but the rosters in the National Football League. So it'll be a it's really fun, a fun way to start off our series here. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, like I said, next week we're going to start uh, with the quarterback position. Obviously, the the head of the throne needs to go first. So we're going to start with quarterbacks. But today we're going to we're going to stack the AFC East, go position by position um, I know you have your your numbers all set up, but I just wanted to ask about your approach before we got into this. Was this something that you studied stats to come up with your original rankings for, or is this more of just how you feel about these players? Because for me, I looked at it as if I'm the coach for just one season and I needed to have that group, uh, that position group, I needed to to you know put my my stake on that team so i was just basing it off just a one season approach not a projecting over five years not a you know so how did you look at this did you look at it at a game perspective or a season perspective or just analytically yeah i think i very much fell more into the camp of looking at this and the question that we always asked ourselves on the show when we did it and i don't want to take all the credit i, I put together the list but I have a great community that joins the show with me and we banter, we argue, we debate these things out and then mm -hmm. we finalize the list. But one of the, the main question we wanted to ask ourselves is where do these groups stack going into the 2023 season? So recent success mattered. How did these players perform in recent years and how do we think they're going to perform right now ahead of the 2023 season? So this is not a long-term projection. This is not a, who do we think are going to be the best groups three, five, seven years down the road. This is ahead of this season knowing all the information that we know and all the question marks to come with that. If there's a new player in a new city and we don't know how it's going to gel, that is a negative that works against said team right away. And that's how we rank them accordingly. And I think another very important thing, because this is how my rankings are based. And so I want to share it with everybody. Rookies are viewed in my mind, this exercise as what I refer to as a net neutral. They're not a positive to a group. They're not yes. a negative to the group because looking at this through the lens of the 2023 season, I don't know what that rookie is going to be. I don't know if they're going to be good or they're going to be bad. So I, tr I treated them as a net neutral. Now, the fun thing is, is I'm going to do this again at the end of the year and look back at how these, these teams performed. And then mm -hmm. the rookie performances are going to be able to kind of be compiled in. So that's the way that we looked at it. Looking at the 2023 season, how would we stack these groups ahead of that year, knowing all of the context that we have. And then again, asking that question that with rookies, we're not counting them as a positive or a negative. I'm really glad you said that because whenever I think of a ranking system, you have to put your rookies last. You can project all you want for your players, but when we get to our final rankings, you'll see the rookies are going to be at the bottom and it only makes sense. We haven't seen anything from them. So yes, I'm glad that you put it that way, a net neutral. Um, and there's a lot of rookies that I just threw on the end of uh, lists as we're going through these position groups because they're notable players. Don't get me wrong. Like Osiris Torrance for the Buffalo Bills could be a starter. He's not, not projected to be currently, but he's a rookie that could make an impact. So you have to think about those players, but you can't put too much stake into it. So I'm really glad that you set the tone right there with the rookies because people get a little too over their skis and put Will McDonald as like the 20th best player on the team. And it's like, hey, man we don't know what he's going to be. So as yeah. much as we like him, we can't put him up there. And the other important thing too, is if it's a notable rookie, like uh, I'll use a perfect example, Will Anderson Jr., one of the top picks in the 2023 mm -hmm. draft. When I did the edge group for the Houston Texans, I mentioned him, but the, but in my explanation for why Houston is so low in my edge group, it's because I can't count on Will Anderson yet. And yeah. in my evaluation, I say, this group has a lot of room to move up if Will Anderson is what we think he is. But right now, I have to view him as a net neutral. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, I did this with all 32 teams. So uh, with all of the rookies, all of the rookies were treated the same. Will McDonald was treated the same as 
John Michael Schmitz in New York with the Giants, as Bryce Young is with the Panthers. Like it goes across the board. I view them as a net neutral. Um, and so it, it, it was a lot of fun to put together. And when you asked, to, when you said, hey, well, let's do this idea, and I was all for it, I hadn't done this with the numbers. I hadn't taken the AFC East numbers and put them together. And we were talking in the pre show while I was putting them together. And it was fascinating to see how it played out because the way the numbers played out is how I feel the division is going to play out. I won't give anything away because we're going to do the exercise. But I actually feel pretty good about the way my my uh, rankings ultimately played out based on what we know now ahead of the 2023 season. Yeah, that that's really um, interesting because, like I said in the pre-show, I came to my final rankings and put them into order one through four. And I wasn't, you know, that wasn't what I thought going into the process. I thought this team was going to be higher and this team was going to be lower and it didn't turn out that way. So I'm excited to, to reveal the final list at the end. But with that, we're going to jump right in. Obviously, we're starting with the quarterback position. Like I said, head of the throne. We have one. We finally have one. It's true. Time in however true. many years. If you want to go all the way back to Joe Namath, you can. Uh, Super Bowl 1968 champion. So we can go all the way back there to the last time the Jets had a quarterback. But I'm going to let you kick it off with quarterback. How did you go? You can just go one through four, and then we'll I'll tell you where I disagree, and we'll get into it from there. Sure. I don't know if there's going to be a lot of disagreement here. The way that I have these quarterbacks um, and I for just for and I don't want to keep doing this being like my rankings, my rankings, my rankings. But when I did mine, I looked at the entire room. So I included backups. I don't yeah. think it would. Ch I don't think it would have changed um, if I just looked at the starters. I think the exact order that I had it is the way that I would have it. Um, I have the Bills number one uh, because they have Josh Allen. That's why they get to be number one on this list. Number two. Mm -hmm. I have Aaron Rodgers because I don't know if anyone knows this, but Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback of the New York Jets in 2023, uh, and he's the second best quarterback in the division. Number three is where I have the the Miami Dolphins, and I'm a huge believer in this room, not just because of Tua, but I think they have the best backups in all football. Mike White. I don't I don't think Jets fans are going to be shocked to hear that kind of statement. Um, but I had the Dolphins ranked very high overall uh, in in the entire NFL rankings that I did because of Mike White's presence in that room because it really insulates them if, if Tua goes down. And then I have the Patriots a distant fourth uh, because of Mac Jones. And just he's just far behind what those other three guys are able to provide on a weekly basis. Yeah, I have them ranked the exact same way. I looked at the two deep on our lads. So I did include the first backup. I wasn't going to include the third string. But yes, I agree. It had to be Buffalo number one with Josh and Kyle Allen. Number two, Aaron Rodgers. Even though Zach Wilson really brings down that quarterback room overall, I feel like they're still number two. Number three, Tua, obviously with his injuries, he has to be. But the insurance policy of Mike White at two years, $8 million for Miami, I mean, you had to go do it. Because if Tua misses any time in 2023, you really need somebody that can at least get you out of a game. And Mike White proved he can do that. And then, yeah, the Patriots down there with Mac Jones and Bailey Zapp. I mean, there's a little bit of hype for Bailey Zapp, but uh, I don't think that they uh, deserve anything better than four. And I think the, the gap between one and two is closer than two and three. And I wanted to get your thoughts on that. Do you think it's Josh Allen and Aaron Rodgers ahead of Tua by a far margin? Or do you think Tua deserves to be in that conversation with them? Oh, it's tough, right? Because you look at the the efficiency and the productivity from Tua last year when he was healthy, and he was a top eight quarterback in the league by every mm -hmm. statistic, by every metric. The question you have to ask yourself is the health. And he's never finished a full season. And so you just expect him to not being able to finish a full season in 2023. And so that would be the difference maker for me is the reason why I would have Josh Allen and Aaron Rodgers so high is because they are so integral to what their teams are going to do. Um, and if those guys get hurt, it is absolutely debilitating to their team season where if two gets hurt, I don't know if it's really debilitating. I think the Dolphins will be able to get through two, three right. games with Mike White as their quarterback, where I don't know if the Bills and Jets would be able to do that. So just based on the pure talent of the starter, I do think there's a divide, but let's not. Let's not forget how good Tua played last year. I know it's very easy to kind of pile on Tua with the injuries and not finishing a season. When the dude played in this offense with Mike McDaniel, he looked like the best version of himself. He looked like a guy that was a top five pick a few years ago. And so I think that's an important thing to, to not forget in this process. I do think there is a talent gap between Allen Rodgers and Tua, but let's not forget about Tua in this process either. Yeah, and I'm really glad that you just stole all the words out of my mouth because it makes it only that much easier to explain the skill set that Rodgers and Allen have is, you know, greater than of a Tua. But when you put Tua in that system, I feel like everything became unlocked for him when he was healthy last year. So, yes, I have to agree. He's in the conversation. I have to put him at three. But, I mean, it's tough. We have a question in here before we get to running backs from the Gus Tune. Do you think there's a chance the Pats don't win an AFC East game? Tua plays the Finns 
if Tua plays, the Finns will be dangerous just for how long. Uh, yes, I do think the Patriots are going to win an AFC East game. Um, I still wouldn't be surprised if the Jets somehow find a way to split with them just due to like the coaching you know, gap between Saul and Belichick. Something might happen, but I think the, the Patriots will win a game at least. And obviously, if, if two is healthy for the Finns, they are a scary team over 17 games. How do you feel about that, Chris? Yeah, I mean, if two, if two is healthy, the, the Miami Dolphins uh, have a legitimate shot to be the, the top team in this division. Uh, I don't want to give mm-hmm. away... Uh, where we're going with my rankings, but might might play out that way when we get done here. That I have the Dolphins as the top roster in the AFC East. I'm just saying, by the time we get done here, that's that might be how it works out. Uh, when it comes to the Patriots, look, the Patriots are are a a clear, I think, distant behind these other three teams when we're looking at this division. But Mac Jones is definitely going to be improved from where he was a year ago. Now that they actually have an offensive yes. coordinator in there, right? They're just going to be an improved football team. Um, you know Belichick's going to be able to coach up a defense. He's going to scheme, and he's going to he's going to have a wrinkle that's going to confuse Rodgers. It's going to confuse Josh Allen. It's going to confuse Tua and keep those those teams on their heels. The thing that I would say is, while I think it's going to be an uphill battle for the New England Patriots, the New York Jets have not beaten the New England Patriots in what seven years now. Like yeah. it's it's be, so I don't want to I don't want to be the guy that raises his hand and goes, "Oh, the the Patriots aren't going to win an AFC East game this year." Jets haven't beaten the Patriots in like seven years. Like I can't get on board with this yeah let's just let the games play out like I, I can't i can't get there yeah that's why i hedged my bet on they could probably still split with the patriots i'd have to assume they could get over the split with the patriots just... i thought we could throw a parade if they split with the that's patriots. that's if they what split i'm saying patriots, yep. throw a parade for aaron Rodgers. throw a parade yeah. for the man he slayed the dragon of the new england patriots for us that, i would throw a, i would throw a party if he did that yeah Augustine slipping in a, a two for here. One more cue. If the if the Bills don't win out this season, I assume that means Super Bowl. Do they implode? Thanks, guys. I mean, I think based off the the drama with Stephon Diggs, if they don't win the Super Bowl or at least make it to the Super Bowl, he might not be long for Buffalo. I don't know what that means for the rest of the roster, but I think that they're in a good position where Sean McDermott's a great coach and he's going to rally the troops every year as long as they have Josh Allen. But it does come into play like they're in a win now mode I know there was a chart that was floated out there where it put a lot of the AFC East teams in a win now bucket everybody but I believe the Patriots as far as assets and um, the Bills are one of those teams and they they need to win but I don't know if I think they have long-term success inside their building so the definition of implosion here I think is really important because both Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott just got contract extensions so if by That's implosion true. you mean that this team's going to look vastly different, new coach, new GM, and they're just going to absolutely tear it down and try to rebuild a- around Josh Allen and just try to completely root through the roster. No, that's not going to happen. They just locked in to this mentality. They have locked into Brandon Bean calling the shots as being the GM and Sean McDermott being the head coach. I do think this is an inflection point for them, though, because they are trying to break through. And just a personal opinion, I'm out on, I'm out on the Bills this year. I think they're going to max out at a 10 or 11 win team I'm not saying they're going to be bad, but I think that's where they max out. Uh, and I think we need to start, and maybe this season is the year that we do it. I think we are not. We are going to start talking about the Bills in a different light at the end of the season. Going into each of the last couple of years, we have talked about the Bills, and by we, I mean the football media at large, have discussed the Buffalo Bills in the same tier as the Kansas City Chiefs and the Cincinnati Bengals. If they falter again this year and don't break through to an AFC title game and don't break through to a Super Bowl, and it's because they lose to one of those teams or they maybe don't win the division and they have to play a wild card game, we are no longer going to associate Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills with that upper elite tier of the AFC. That's what's going to happen here. Uh, That's my prediction for this year. Um, I think they're going to separate themselves in a bad way from that tier. So if that's what you mean by do they implode? Yeah, because I think they start to spiral. I don't think they're going to be able to find the success that maybe they have found in recent years. And then maybe the message gets lost with Sean McDermott. But again, they gave him a contract extension, so he's going to be there for the foreseeable future. Yeah, it's a really good perspective with the contract extensions because that completely slipped my mind. But that does give them some stability. But yeah, it feels like the Bills as a roster and a team, they're they're hitting that glass ceiling. They're bumping into it and just constantly bumping into it, trying to break through. And if they don't break through soon, I mean, something's got to give. It's the NFL. Your window only lasts so long. But we can move on to the next position group here. We have running backs. Um, what happened uh, here? What happened here? It's it's kind of wild. How do you have the group at one that I have at four? You have to explain this to me. Because we so, I can see your list. You got yes, it. This is one of the worst running back rooms in all of football. I have you it think, 29th overall. You got to explain this to me. Bills? You think the Bills are like the worst it's, in the, it's in the league? It's not good, dude. 
James Cook is 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 a complete unknown. I have no idea what James Cook is. Yeah, Damian Harris, true. Latavius Murray, Naeem Hines. We've got eighty-seven guys that basically do the same thing that are the same yeah. type of back and are, they got are, first are, legs. Are, are not productive. They can't run the ball in Buffalo. And so you think just having seven options is good enough? No, I, fourth in the division. Fourth. So, so the way I put them first is because, like I said in the pre-show, there was a lot of positions we were going, and I was walking myself back on. Running back is one of those positions. I'm really nervous about everybody outside of Brees Hall, and I'm still nervous about Brees Hall. Like, this isn't Madden. Nobody just comes back from an ACL and is 100%. It's very rare. Obviously, there there's like an extreme circumstance. I believe it was Adrian Peterson came back after one season and, and lit it up. But don't bet on don't bet on Brees being a statistical outlier. Right? Exactly. Just That's yeah. what I'm saying. So I have them. Spoiler alert. I have them second on my list. I have Bills one. I know James Cook is a bit of an unknown, but I was a huge Damian Harris fan, and I feel like he could do better here than he did in New England, and I liked him in New England. Ramondre uh, Stevenson is better than all of those guys. Ramondre well, yeah, Stevenson no. is a better running back than all of those guys. That's that's 100% factual, but when your next best guy is Ty Montgomery, I feel like there's they got a got James huge... Robinson, former Jet great James Robinson. They cut him. Oh, they, they cut him because oh, he had cha- all the ACL injuries. That changes everything. He's, they, I put like eight, they put eight injury waivers in his in his contract, or three, or something like that, and, and they cut him. Yes, so that – Bills one, Jets two, Dolphins three, Patriots four. And I feel like we'll start from the bottom. Ramondre Stevenson. Yes, I love Ramondre Stevenson. He could be three if we're just talking about the starters alone. But when your backups are Ty Montgomery, Pierre Strong, who I liked out of South Dakota State, and he's very fast. And then Kevin Harris and JJ Taylor, I'm, you know, I'm not that impressed. You're falling off a cliff after RB1, so you have to be down on the list. The Dolphins, they're a little bit old. They're a little bit injured, but they're all like super playmaky type backs. Mm-hmm. And we know what Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson have been since San Francisco. Devon A-Chain was like one of my draft crushes out of Texas A&M. And then they have uh, Salvin Ahmed, who's just been there, and he's kind of a decent fourth option. But I like them if they didn't have injury and age risk. The Jets have a lot of unknowns across the board. And that's why, two I felt like was the highest I could put them because – while the Bills have seven of the exact type of unproductive running backs, unproductive they have across they the board. have a, a known commodity in most of their their running backs. So I we don't disagree here, but yet we come to we came to a different conclusion. Now I want to make yeah, it clear: yeah. I have all four of these running back rooms in the bottom half of the league. So this 100%. is not these are not groups to write home about going into the no. twenty twenty three season. I have the Jets eighteenth overall for my group. Uh, I have them first in this division because I do expect Brees Hall to be some levels of productive at some point. And I don't expect him to play a full season. You do have Michael Carter, who's not that far removed from a decent season in his rookie year. Zonovan Knight was the best running back on the New York Jets in the second half of last year. I I will scream it from the mountaintops until people start believing me. Zonovan Knight was the best running back the Jets had in the second half last year. And then Izzy Bandicanda, I just view as a net neutral. But yeah, give me half a season of Brees Hall, give me Michael Carter, and give me Zonovan Knight as the best running back group in, in this in this in this in this uh, division, I then have the Patriots too because Ramondre Stevenson is a very good back. And when I did this, James Robinson was still on the team, so I have him written down as the backup. I have now replaced him with Ty Montgomery. It doesn't change a whole lot for me. They're going to stay exactly where they are. Mm-hmm. And then I have the Dolphins three. And again, the, the thing with the Dolphins is the reason why they're lower for me. I have them twenty sixth overall. Is you got Mostert and Wilson, but those guys can't stay healthy. And so yeah. I don't know how many games of those guys I'm going to get. And then from the logic that I use, I've got Devon Achen who's a rookie. So I've got two guys that can't stay on the field, and I got a rookie. That's not going to rank very highly yeah. for me, but I still think it's better than the Bills group. That Bills group, the the best running back in that Bills group is Damian Harris. That's the best running back they've got in that yes. room. Yes, yes, yes. That's not good. I No offense to Damian Harris, but, but that's James not good. Cook could be, and he's not in put that a, neutral because he's not a okay, rookie. Okay, if we're doing put a, would a, should have, then, the, then right. we can rank a lot of, th- a lot of things. The Jets would be stuff. one. The Jets right, would I'm, be one. I am out. I am out on You're this right. Bills. And this is... I'm willing to go down. This was one of the things. And my favorite thing about doing these lists is every day when I release them, there was always like one or two rankings that I went into each show going, okay, this is going to get the chat mad today. This, this is, is the thing. This and is on this show, it was where I had the bills. But I did convince a lot of people. They did not disagree with me uh, very strongly. But yeah, I have it. Jets one, Patriots two, Dolphins three, and Bills four for the wide receiver, uh, for the running backs, I should say. 
Yeah, I, 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 it's so close. Literally, one could be four and four could be one if you just look at it from a different perspective. And, and they're all I not just, very good. They're all not. They're all not very good. That's the thing too. And Brees Hall is the best out of all of them if he hits his potential. But we only saw seven, six and a half games of him. And yes, he was special. But we need. He, he that's, might be the best one in the entire division. And and I don't want to talk bad about Brees. I love Brees. Thought, yeah. what a fantastic year. But you're asking me to then take Brees Hall. And I'm not you. I'm saying just at large. You're asking me to take Brees Hall on a, on a very small seven-game sample size with an ACL injury and to project them as a top 10 group in the National Football League. I just can't get there. And no. so that's why I have them at 18th, and they're the best team in this division. Like, it, it is so dependent on Brees and that scares me because he's only played seven games and he's coming off a major knee injury he had two different ligaments get hurt in his knee like you don't just waltz back yeah, in and go I don't care that Robert Sal- Robert Robert Salas says he's running 25 miles per hour according to the GPS stats I don't care I gotta see him back on the field before I can I can buy in yeah I 100% agree quick question the team that lands if he goes to the AFC East Dalvin Cook he makes that team the number one group regardless of who it is um, because I think England, it's if he went to New England, it would scare me because they would just kind of split carries with Stevenson, and I don't think it would change a whole lot. Yeah. If he went to Miami, Miami would shoot up. Yes, I mean, I, Buffalo, my, would Buffalo get out of the basement at least? <laughs> let's see. I have Baltimore right in front of them. They would go in front of Baltimore. They would go in front oh, of Minnesota. Yeah. They would go in front of Miami. They would go in front of Denver. Yeah, they would start to move up the board. Cool. They would. Cool. They would probably. They would. They might hop. They might be like right behind the Jets. They there might have to coming, coming for first in the division. They might, they might be able to. So it all works out. All uh, that's, out. that was, that was definitely the position I thought would, you know, ruffle some feathers wide receiver. I think this one's pretty cut and dry. Um, we can go a little bit quicker. Cause I see we're a third of the way through the show and we're on a third position group. Uh, <laughs> I have it Miami one. I feel like that's, you can't debate that really uh, two and three. I have Buffalo and then the jets and then four, I have new England. This is new England's fourth, uh, third, four in a row. And I feel like uh, it's not going to last very long. Um, yeah, I have the Dolphins at number one. It's a top five wide receiver group in all of football. You, 100%. Could, make, you could make the argument it might be top three. Uh, I have it fourth overall. I have mm-hmm. it Jets two, Bills three. But just to move us along here, in the overall rankings, I have the Jets 16, the Bills 17. That's how close I have it. It was this close, teams. yes. Like, if for you having it the other way, no, I, I'm totally totally there. And then the yep. Patriots are a distant, uh, a distant fourth. I have them twenty eighth overall. Uh, this group is awful. Like this group is not bad. This is not good. Mac Jones no. is going to struggle with this group. It's it, yeah, especially when you factor in the uh, Ramondre Stevenson is the only like positive person that we've given remarks about for their backfield and wide receiver group now. Yeah, Juju Smith-Schuster, Kendrick Bourne, Devontae Parker, Tyquan Thornton is not a good group it's, at all. It, it all kind of maxes out. It's like they have like maybe decent wide receiver twos. Like Juju, I think exactly. is best at the, these days is a wide receiver two. Uh, yep. Parker's not the player that he was in Miami. And I saw, no. a st- I saw a stat, I think it was yesterday or the day before it talked about his separation numbers over the course of the last couple of years. Like he's been at the bottom of all wide receivers in separation. Like he just, it, it's just not, I don't think it's going to work in New England this year on offense. They're going to be better because Bill O'Brien's there, but mm-hmm. I just don't think it's going to be uh, uh, efficient and high octane enough for them to stay relevant. Yeah. And I, and I think Al Lazard and Corey Davis are better than Gabe Davis. But I think with all the unknowns of Alan Lazard coming here first year, Corey Davis, can he stay healthy? Can he stay on the field? Can he catch the ball every time? And then you have Miko Hardman, but I still think the Bills are, are ahead of the Jets in my rankings here. Um, moving on to tight ends, Buffalo. Buffalo's number one again. I feel like yep. I've gone Buffalo every time except obviously wide receiver, but they were number two. Patriots, I have number two. Three, I have the Jets. And then four and like basement four is the Dolphins. Durham Smythe and Eric Saubert for Miami is not a group that gives me now, any. Hold on. Hold on. Am I missing last, some? I could be missing time, somebody. The last time I shouted out a guy, you told me he was cut, which which is just goes to oh, show shit. how often things change in the National Football League. Let me just make sure this guy's on the roster. They, he is on the roster. Don't be disrespectful to Tyler Croft, okay? Just just be careful, okay? That's legend. That's legend. How can just I be, forget? Just be very respectful. I have them ranked as the thirty um, second tight end room in all of football. So I just want you to make sure that you're very respectful to the Miami Dolphins here. Uh, no, they have the worst tight end room in all of football. It's awful. It's very. Bad. I don't. 
I, like you said, they go from a top three, top five wide receiver unit to a literal last place tight end unit. And I don't understand what they're, I mean, two is just going to have to throw to his guys. Uh, yeah. It, it's bad. And Waddle. It's, it's it. bad. Um, and I, I don't know. They'll figure it out because they always, the Mike McDaniel San Francisco offense will find a way to utilize a tight end, but they just don't have a great in-house option. Um, I see it kind of similar. I have the bills. Uh, number one, I mean, Dawson Knox, I think is an underrated tight end overall in the grand For sure. of things in football. And then again, he's a net neutral, um, but Dalton Kincaid's a good player. So he's a very good player. If he reaches the potential that, they, I mean, they used the first round pick on him. If he lives up to his scouting report, boy, do they have, boy, are they a problem at the tight end position. Um, so I have them one. I have the Jets two uh, with, mm-hmm. with Conklin and, and Uzoma, 11th overall. And then I have the Patriots at 13th. Listen, M- Mike Gusecki was not good the last couple of years in Miami. Yeah. And Hunter Henry did not come to New England and have that burst that maybe we anticipated that he was going to have after leaving the Chargers. So there are guys that in name value you feel good about in Hunter Henry and Mike Gusecki, but the production hasn't been there. You got Gusecki going to a new place, coming off of a year in which he wasn't really good Miami. Like, I got questions. And so I got to see those yeah. questions get answered before I'm willing to, to buy into this group. So I have it Jets 2, Patriots 3, and then the aforementioned uh, 32nd-ranked Miami Dolphins, 4th here uh, on the tight end group. And I definitely think the Patriots and Jets for me, two and three, could be flipped. And I maybe am going with a little bit more of face value with the names of Hunter Henry, Mike Kosicki. But I also feel that way about the Jets. They're just so unknown. Tyler Conklin had a down year coming over from Minnesota. CJ Uzama wasn't used nearly enough in the way that I thought he would be. And I'm still pushing the table for him to, to be Roger's guy and be tight end one. And then Jeremy Rucker makes this the second best tight end group if he does what we think he can do and what he did against Miami in week 17. So I do think it's really close, but yeah, one and four, I think were the the obvious ones on that one. All right. Offensive line. I did not go 10 deep. I went to starters and any that's, notable rookies. That's the right way to do it. That's the right way to do it. You just love the not, starters, man. You'll be there all day if you do it the other yeah, way. Yeah, I'm not going down that rabbit hole. So I had it, number one, no surprise, Buffalo Bills. Number two, New England Patriots. Number three, Miami Dolphins. And number four, even though I love them and I, I hope that they do well, the Jets got to be number four for me in offensive line. How do you have it? I have the Dolphins number one. I love okay. a lot of what they have here. And looking at the starters, uh, if Armstead's healthy, there's your left tackle. Eichenberg and Williams, they've got a decent left side of this offensive line. Um, their right side's a bit of a question mark. That's the That would be the concern that you would have. I have them 16th overall in all of football. Um, I have the New England Patriots second on this list. Uh, again, the left side of their line, I think you really like. Brown, Strange, and Andrews to make yep. up that center left side of the offensive line. Again, another group that you really like. I just like Armstead uh, and Williams more than I like Brown and Andrews. Kind of the tiebreaker there between the Dolphins and the Patriots. I have the Bills 23. Look, I just think they're 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 a group of guys. Um they just there's yeah. they got nobody that wows you. They got nobody that absolutely can just take over a game. I think they're hoping Osiris Torrance can kind of fill in one of those roles long term. But you look across the board Dawkins, McDovern, McGovern, Morse, Bates, Brown, it's fine. It's a solid group. I have it 23rd. Yeah. And I have the Jets 26th and here's why. And it's a team that we both know, right? It's what we're doing this podcast for. I got a 40-year-old, what, 38, 39, 40-year-old left tackle. I've got mm-hmm. Lake and Tomlinson coming off the worst year of his career. I've got – I have Connor McGovern listed as the starting center, but I, it's either him or a rookie, and so the rookie wouldn't – Joe Tippman wouldn't help the ranking here. I got AVT, who – we love AVT, the best offensive lineman on this team, but coming off of a major injury. And then I got Makai Becton as my right tackle. I legitimately could ask, I could ask a major question – about every single player on the starting five offensive line for the New York Jets, it has to be fourth. It was 26th overall for me in all of football. There's a major yeah. question mark about every single player on the offensive line. Now, if it all pans out the way it should, if it all if it skews all towards the positive side, they have one of the best offensive lines in all of football because you mm-hmm. got AVT with the versatility. You've got Dwayne Brown, who's a stalwart at left tackle. If Lakin Tomlinson gets back to being the player that he was in San Francisco, boom, the interior, we can run the ball. If, if Makai Becton's on the field, we know what he can be. That's a lot of ifs I just presented, and that's the concern that I have. So that's why they're 26th ring. Yeah, and just speaking more about the Jets, um, if you could even get it, not all five players or positions have to pan out in 2023, but even if three of those positions pan out, one being AVT, I feel like if AVT goes down, it really hurts the unit. But yeah. even if you have three of those guys pan out, this could be a you know top of the division unit and definitely getting up – out of 26 I have the highest hopes doing this list on Dwayne Brown that's so scary and that right. made me have to put them four and I love there's Dwayne a Brown. ceiling there's a exactly. ceiling that they hit yeah 
Exactly. So, yeah, I feel like that was the best way to put it. Um, I don't like Eichenberg and uh, Austin Jackson for Miami. I don't know if you happen to see the Dolphins content guy. I don't know his name, but he posted a tweet in relation to all the suspensions and said, hey, I've been, you know, the bookie for Liam Eichenberg and uh, Austin Jackson for the last two years. So please come come get him because they don't like him in Miami. And I mean, they're not great players, but like you said, when you have Teron Armstead, Connor Williams, and Robert Hunt, Robert Hunt a lot of respect. Player. Yeah, they, they've got respect. enough pieces. They've exactly. got enough pieces on that offensive line that make you feel decent about it. And again, none of these groups rank top uh, half of the league. The highest is Miami. They actually... They actually they come in at 16 for me. So I don't view any of these groups super high in the grand scheme of the, uh, right. of the entire Similar league. to the running back units. Yes, yep. very exactly. similar. Exactly. Yep. Now, this is where Jets fans are going to want to keep tuning in. I, I'm sorry, folks. It's gonna, I'm sorry for it, what The pendulum is here. swinging. The pendulum is swinging a little bit. The Jets aren't number one on my list. I don't think they're number one on yours. I'm trying not to look at your rankings, but I have to keep going back and forth. They are I not number Dolphins, one. I have the Dolphins at number one. That's a good Because decision. they have the best pass rusher in the division the jets at number two because they have the depth and the talent and the upside number three i have the bills because they do have talent but they're aging and i'm not a huge fan of rousseau they still have epinesa as their like fifth best pass rusher which is kind of crazy and then the patriots four you really couldn't do much without you know matt judon is a good player dietrich wise they have a net neutral and Keon white josh josh uche excuse me is a good player but I had to put the Patriots four in what is an absolutely loaded group in the division. This is where the AFC East makes some noise on the rankings. These are all top yep. half of the league groups for me. That's awesome. The way that I view this. Miami, the clear number one. Um, they've got Chubb. They've got Agba. They've got, to me, the guy with the most upside out of any player in this division. I've already called my shot on this guy for 2023. I think this is the year that this dude breaks out. Sorry, Jets fans. I think this dude goes to another level, and that's Jalen Phillips. I think he goes to another stratosphere of pass rusher. Like, I think we're talking about him as one of the top 10 pass rushers in all of football when the 2023 season wraps. So I have been number four overall in the entire league. They're the top in the division. And once again, I'm a little different from you. I have the Bills two and the Jets three. But just so, you, just so you know, I have the Bills seventh overall and the Jets eighth overall. That's how close I see it between these two groups. Um, yep. Floyd Miller Rousseau is what you're looking at for the Bills. And for the Jets, you're looking at Lawson, JFM, Jermaine Johnson, and Michael Clemens because Will McDonald, you can't do a whole lot with. You just have to view him as a net neutral. So you, have to, take, you have to take Lawson, and you got Bryce Huff in there as well. So you got to look at that group and say, which, which do you like more? There's more high upside guys in Miller and Floyd and Rousseau, I think, in Buffalo. That's kind of the tiebreaker. The Jets are more deep. So it just depends on what is your what you're looking for. You're looking for more high upside. You're looking for more depth. Again, I I very easily see a scenario where if Lawson gets back to the player before the Achilles injury, we're oh, looking yeah. at a totally different conversation here. Jermaine Johnson takes a leap in year two. We're looking at a totally different conversation here. But as currently constructed, I have the Bills uh, seven, the Jets eight. So that leads them to being uh, the Bills two and the Jets three. Then I have the Patriots four. Don't sleep on this group. Matt Judon, one of the best pass rushers in all of football. Um, they've got Dietrich Weiss, who's a decent option. Josh Uche is another player. Don't sleep on that kid. He's a very good pass rusher. And again, he's a rookie, so he's not counting a whole lot for what we're doing here. But Keon White's going to draw into this rotation this year, and I think going to be very, very impressive. So uh, they, they come he's in special. at 15 overall. So this group, this this position group, very, very good across the AFC East. Yeah, any, any opposing quarterbacks are definitely afraid to come through the AFC East. And yeah. I can like run game and defense when you get into the playoffs if you have to come to an AFC East stadium whether it's Buffalo New York even Miami I mean Miami doesn't have the weather factor but there's that's tough when you're two feet you know staring down all these pass rushers and like you said you pick the bills over the Jets because of the top end talent of the three but I went with the depth of the Jets but it's just scary no matter who you're playing and as much as you like the the wide receivers for most of the teams which are the quarterback's best friend, the edge position, which is the quarterback's worst nightmare yep. is even worse. So uh, I'm glad that you have them all ranked as top half of the league because they are certainly deserving of that defensive line. I'm gonna let you kick this one off. I think we have it similar, but not quite perfect. We do. We, we disagree with the top two. Um, we yep. have it particularly close. Uh, I have the dolphins uh, <clears throat> one um, C- Christian Wilkins and Raekwon Davis are two very good players on the interior. Um, and, 
I know we all love Q around here, and he's the guy that does a lot of the heavy lifting. Uh, Christian Wilkins, Christian Wilkins is in that tier as well of how good oh, he yeah. has been uh, for the Miami Dolphins over the last couple of years, and they have Raquan Davis in there as well. So I have the Dolphins one. I have the Jets two. Uh, Quinn and Williams, Jefferson, Woods, and Thomas are the group that you're looking at there. Guys that do different things. You've got run stuffers. You got Q, who's your overall player. Solomon Thomas is good depth. I have them at two. Uh, I have the Bills at three. Uh, Ed Oliver, Jones, Ford, Tim Settle, Phillips. Just a deep group. Not a lot of high end guys, but a mm-hmm. lot of depth. That's what allows them to be the tiebreaker. I have New England. Uh, let me see where I have them. I have them fourth overall. They're 19th in all of football. Um, uh, Barrymore guy. Um, I've got Keon White listed here. I think that's probably where he'll play a little bit more, but we'll see how it plays out. Mm-hmm. But I have them four. So I have Dolphins one, Jets two, Bills three, and Patriots four. Yep. I have, like you said, top two flipped. I picked the Jets number one here. Um, I think Quinnen is better than Christian Wilkins. They're both top five D tackles, I think, in this, or top six, however you want to rank the other guys. But they're right in that same bucket. But I would put Quinnen slightly ahead. And while I do think Raekwon Davis is better than Quentin Jefferson singly, Al Woods singly, Solomon Thomas by far singly. I think the combination of those three, I'm not a huge fan of Jalen Twyman being your third guy on the defensive line based on their depth chart. So I felt like the the four for New York was a little bit better than the three for Miami, but I felt your the bottom two were spot on. The Bills, they have to be three, and then the Patriots have to be four. I like Christian Barmore. I like Ed Oliver. I'm not huge on Ed Oliver uh, when he came out in the draft, but I feel like he's, he's done a big well. contract though, right? Like he's going yeah. to go into being a massive role for them. What, 60 million, 40 of a guaranteed or something like that? Yeah, like it's yeah. a big contract. And and I like Puna Ford too. I really wanted yeah. him in New York, but Daquan Jones kind of, uh, I can, you know, pass on him compared to the other, you know, backups in this division. So we had it pretty much the same way. I just put the Jets number one there. Um, and, God damn it, pay Q already. Like I'm tired. Yeah, can we get this done? Holy, I'm starting to get nervous. I, I've I've been the big I've been the guy that's been like, ah, oh, it's gonna get done. No worries, no worries. And I still believe that. But with every passing day, there are there the, the nerve percentage does go up a little bit. I do get a little bit more nervous. Yeah, we still have time yet. And time. uh I, I think when you get to you know a week before training camp, that's when the rumors will really start heating up because he doesn't want to miss any of the beginning of training camp. And I feel like that'll be a pressing issue for the team deadlines for actions. This is a position group now moving to linebacker. The jets are not going to come in first here. I'm going to be that. last folks. I, last. I have the bills one, the dolphins two, the Patriots three, and then the jets four. And I will explain. We Matt only Milano, agree on the jets. We only agree on when where the jets go. I, let me see how you have them ranked. Um, Okay, you have the Patriots at two. That makes sense. Juwan Bentley just got a big uh, contract extension today, actually, and I like Jelani Tavai. Tavai is a good player. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like Jerome Baker, David Long Jr., and I loved Channing Tindall coming out of Georgia. I felt like I had to put them two. And number one, maybe Matt Milano just scares me because he killed Mike White and ruined our season. But Matt Milano and Terrell Bernard, I do like what Terrell Bernard brings to the table. I know he hasn't gotten the usage, but I just, I don't know. I felt like Matt Milano is better than probably the the consensus of the group. I mean, maybe Jerome Baker is in that tier with Matt Milano, but Matt Milano is the best linebacker in that group. And I love CJ Mosley and it's, it hurts so bad to put him forth, but you have to, when your third guy's Jamie and Sherwood, and he's played a total of like 12 snaps for you in his career. And Quincy Williams is a guy that I'm kind of give or give or take on. You see him in the background here making a big play, but I just, I can't really get on board with him as your full-time second linebacker. So they're four for me. It's Miami one for me. Uh, Baker and Long, veteran presence for this team. Yep. They've got Tyndall, who's a really good young player, I think, that draws in and is a really good piece of this rotation. I have them one. I have New England, too. We just mentioned it. Bentley and Tavai are good players, man. They, they've yeah. got uh, they've got a rookie who, again, doesn't factor into these rankings, but Marte Mapu is a name you got to know um, because when, the, when I, they're going to find a way to Sex use this state, guy. Yep. He, he's a Swiss Army knife. Guy can play different spots on the field, and I think they're going to utilize him very, very strongly. I have them at 16. Uh, 16 overall, second in the division. I have Buffalo right behind New England at 17. Listen, if you want to just let Matt Milano do all the heavy lifting here and put Buffalo higher, that's fine. But the group behind Matt Milano is not scary. You know, I, I think you're you're making a very good case as to I can put them as low as three, but I definitely think the Dolphins need to be one on my list. So I yeah I have, I have it Dolphins Patriots Bills Gi- uh, Jets and I have the Jets way down at 26th overall in all football. 
They've got two converted safeties that are playing linebacker. They got CJ Mosley, who I think everyone on the show knows my feelings about him at this point. And Quincy Williams is boomer bust. Like they're they're just going to be fourth on this list more often than not mm-hmm. when you do it. So that's how I have it broken down. But yeah, Buffalo, you're basically asking Matt Milano to do all of the heavy lifting, and I'm not comfortable with that considering the other talent that is in this division. No, I certainly agree, and I actually did just flip the rankings Let's there because go. you. I've convinced it, you. It, it, yeah, it makes sense. You said it. Two veterans, David Long being the, the backup. I think he's good, and I love Channing Tindall. So yeah, regardless of how I feel about Terrell Bernard for Buffalo, it, it shouldn't matter. And Matt Milano, I'm not scared of you anymore, I promise. Cornerbacks, the Jets are going to go back to number one here. It's kind of funny. They're just riding waves on defense. They're up, they're yeah. down, they're up, they're down. But we're up right now with the cornerbacks. And, I mean – I'm not going to spoil where you had them on your show, but they are tops in the league. I know there was a graphic. Um, I think it was NFL on Fox. Would you trade sauce for Jalen straight up? And even, no. uh, yeah, like how, no. how hard is that of a question? No, I wouldn't even take a younger version of Jalen Ramsey over sauce right now. I just feel like what, what he has going is too good. DJ Reed, another all pro caliber cornerback only 25 years old and michael carter the second to me is a top 10 slot maybe top seven slot in the entire league if you really break things down i think he's such a smart player he could have came away with so many more interceptions had jfm not knocked mccorkle on his ass after the after he threw the ball so i think uh, michael carter the the second deserves a lot of flowers the dolphins they're number two with ramsey howard and uh, cater kohu in the slot the Bills, I had number three. Trey White's kind of getting up there in age. Kyrie Elam got exposed a little bit last year as a rookie. And Teron Johnson is a very solid slot. Again, probably top 10, top seven in the league at his position just based on slot corners. And then number four, the Patriots, because they have a net neutral as their cornerback one, Christian Gonzalez. And then Jonathan and Marcus Jones. I'm not sure if either of those were the ones that brought the gun into the airport. But either way, they have some question marks all over the cornerback position. So I had the Patriots at four there. How did you we, have the cornerbacks? We see this the exact same. Uh, I have the Jets as the second best corner room in all of football. Um, second. Sauce, okay. Yep. Sauce and Reed speak for themselves. I did have the number one. My chat convinced me to flip them in Philadelphia. I had the Jets one, Philly two. They convinced me to flip Philly in the Jets. And so th- they were storming the gates a little bit. So we did a, a flip just so they would they would leave me alone. Uh, but I still have the Jets as a top two group. Miami four. And listen, I, I, the, the thing that I wanted to make clear when doing not just these rankings um, when I did it on my show, but when, when we did it here is there's a balance that you need to strike when discussing Miami. You can talk about how Jalen Ramsey's not the player that he was a couple of years ago. And you can talk about the fact that Davian Howard was hurt last year and you can have those conversations without completely moving them down the board on talent on paper. They're still one of the best corner groups in all of football. Cater Kohu as a well, undrafted uh, free agent last year Special. came in and played really solid for them. Uh, and Cam Smith's a net neutral. You can't view him as anything yet, but he is probably going to draw in here. And so when I look at that group across the board, I had them fourth overall in all of football, second uh, in this division. I have Buffalo as a top 10 group. Um, Elam and Benford were two rookies for them last year and had to draw in four assignments. That's um, the one I missed. Yeah, and White is another player who you know what you're going to get with him. And he, it's a, he's a top end corner. And so I had them at nine and, and I have the Patriots at 19. The problem with them is they probably now have to go lower for me. They're fourth in the division. They're not going to, they can't go any lower than that, but they might have to go lower for me overall. Now that Jack Jones more than likely is going to get suspended because now you've got Christian Gonzalez going to be the guy that does the heavy lifting and he's a rookie. So he can't. And so that's how artificially put them down. And so that what I thought might've been a sh- somewhat of a strength for new England. I have them 19th overall. It's not like they're, they're terrible at this group um, might become a major flaw for them. and might really, really hurt them in this division. So that, that pass rush is really going to get it. have to get after the quarterback. But I, you and I see it the same. I have the Jets one, the Dolphins two, the Bills three, and the Patriots four. That's interesting because there are a lot of question marks in New England, but if they do perform even a little bit to their potential, you're looking at top half of the league units across the division, mm-hmm. just like the edge position. So to have yeah. edge and corner in the division kind of locked down, that's really but- that's really cool. And it goes to show that they're kind of trending to the way football is being played right now with the pass happy offenses and whatnot. So it's nice that they're they're really taking stock into what actually matters because I felt like the Jets were always chasing the trend in terms of, oh, we're going back to run heavy, okay, but two years ago we were run heavy and now we're getting into a pass offense and now it's like we're kind of mixing in run heavy with, with the Aaron Rodgers stuff now. So it's just really funny how the Jets are kind of catching up to times with how offenses need to be ran, but it's a good thing and that's obviously what we want to see. Obviously we could – 
hope that the Patriots don't do that, but I want that group to do well. I'm a Christian Gonzalez fan, so I want him to be a good football player overall. Annoying that we're going to have to play him twice a year, but yes, good football. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Now we're going back down the roller coaster safeties. Yeah, this is, we said it was going to be a ride folks. We said it was going to be a ride. Defense is quite a ride. It definitely makes up for the offense because I feel like you at least get some number ones, a lot of number twos in the defensive groups, but this one, we're back down to number four for me. I have it as the bills one until Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer, even DeMar Hamlin, I mean, until those guys move on, I feel like this is just a, a stellar safety group. I don't I've know got where Taylor you have Rapp, him. too, as depth. Oh, yeah, I, did, I, I didn't even put him because I put Dean Marlowe instead of him. But, yeah, this exactly. This is a great they group. Have, this is, exactly. I have it as the second group in all of football. This group's awesome in Buffalo. I, I wasn't sure how high you had it, but that fully deserved. The Dolphins I had at number two, and there's a case for them to be a top, you know, 10 top 12 unit two, Javon Holland. I love Brandon Jones out of uh, Texas. Deshaun Elliott, the guy that came over from Baltimore. Verone McKinley, the third, I can kind of, you know, pass on him, but they have top end talent. Javon Holland is a beast. I feel oh, like he underrated. does not get not the credit. That, yep. Yeah, exactly. And, and Brandon Jones, I feel like he could be there. I think he dealt with some injuries early on in his career, but he's still young and he can do it. The Patriots at number three. I'm a huge Kyle Duggar fan. Uh, Adrian Phillips has kind of been that stabilizing force. Jalen Mills, eh, I'm not too happy. Like, I don't, I don't really care about him, but they use him okay. And Jabril Peppers is kind of that same mold as Jalen Mills for me. But they're better than the Jets, and the Jets have Jordan Whitehead, Adrian Amos replacing the injured Chuck Clark, uh, Tony Adams, and Ashton Davis rounding out your safety group. So the Jets couldn't move any higher than four for me, but. It's it seems like one is a runaway, two is pretty close, and then three and four are kind of lacking. Uh, you and I agree on one and four, having the Bills one and the Jets four. Uh, okay. We have it different in the middle. I have the Patriots in front of the Dolphins. I think it's close. I have the Patriots eleventh overall, the Dolphins thirteenth overall. Okay. Uh, I just I just like Kyle Duggar a lot. I love I Duggar. I think he's a good player. So yeah, um, that's the difference maker for me because I will tell you in this tier of team, I have New England, Arizona, and Miami all together. And they're all teams that have one really good top end option. And mm-hmm. then you got some question marks behind them. You got Duggar in New England. You got Buda Baker still in Arizona. And you got Javon Holland in Miami. If Holland has another year, like the years we've seen him have the last couple of years, I think they'll move up the board. But I just want to see a little bit more from Javon Holland. Again, I'm a huge fan of his. I think he's a really good young player. Um, so I have New England two and Miami three. You could flip it. And I wouldn't, I have him that close. Um, it's borderline. Yeah. That's the way that I see it. And there's some talent in this division. I mean, you got Buffalo with Hyde and Poyer. You got New England with Duggar and Phillips and Miami with Javon Holland. Like the secondaries are very, very stout in this division. It's going to be tough. This is not going to be an easy division to win. No, absolutely not. And uh, last year I said it about our secondary when the passes that went deep off the screen when you're watching on TV and not watching the film back, when those passes go off the screen and the Jets are on defense, I didn't have that much fear that it was going to be some 60, 70 yard bomb for a touchdown. I just, I always felt like our corners were playing their man in their hip pocket way downfield. And it was the case almost every time, whether it was an incompletion at, at, at worst for the defense. So I was really excited about this uh, secondary, even though the safety group does lack. I have faith that Jordan Whitehead can come back. Adrian Amos, I was, I'm a big fan of, even though I would love Chuck Clark more. But then you have basically unknowns in Tony Adams and the interception king in Ashton Davis, which is just truly remarkable. Um, we we have special teams ranked. I didn't write down the damn long snappers' names, but I'm doing my oh. best to remember. I, I, I have on. them down. There's two Fergusons. I know that. Bills have Tyler Bass. They're number one. Tyler Bass, who's one of the best young kickers in this league. Sam Martin is their punter. I believe they're Blake Ferguson is their long snapper. No, that's the Dolphins. Don't be trading long snappers. See, there's, there's two Ferguson. Come on, be careful now. Reed Ferguson, excuse me, is the Bills long snapper. I have the Jets at number two. I love yeah, Greg Zerloin. I th- uh, I have stats about Greg Zerloin that I have written down for our pod next week that I'm going to share, but Don't give Greg Zerloin is special. I feel yeah, like got Thomas Morstead, old, right? Punter, yeah, and Thomas an Morstead is a huge upgrade over uh, yeah. Braden, Braden Mann. Man. I, almost, I, almost, I almost couldn't for, uh, remember his name. Oh, no, you can't forget Braden Mann. He, you, <sighs> it's I tough. can't do it. it it's, it's, it's trauma up here watching him punt <laughs> it, on it really is. And then the longest tenured Jet. On the, on the roster. Thomas Hennessy, a long snapper. So the Jets come in at two. The Dolphins, number three, with Jason Sanders, uh, Jake Bailey as their punter, and Blake Ferguson as their long snapper. And the Patriots with 
two rookies at some yeah. vital position. And that's Chad why they go Ryland last. And Bryce Byringer from Michigan State. And then their long snapper is Joe Cardona. That's exactly and, what it is. I had it up here. I was cheating, but I had it up here for you. I had and to, even I had if the long snappers, if it was just long snappers, I'd have them ranked the same way. But they've all been just steadying. They're all good players. I, it's, I know it sounds silly for long snappers, but they're all actually pretty good players. So I have it Bills, Jets, Dolphins, Patriots. I have it the same way. I have it Bills, Jets, Dolphins, and Patriots. And again, the Patriots have to be four because they're starting uh, two rookies. Would you? I know you didn't do this. Would you like me yeah, to I share was, my coaching rankings? I was just going to say you okay. explain your rankings as I'm doing it in my head, but I already feel like I know where I'm going to go. Yeah. So I ranked coaches, and we mm-hmm. I ranked offensive uh, uh, head coach, offensive coordinator, and defensive coordinator. And I will tell you, that um, if you have if you had a rookie coaching staff, that just hurts you. It just absolutely puts you low on the list. Um, yeah. And if you were a coordinator, if you were a head coach that had a specialty on one side of the ball and maybe your coordinator was a little weak there, I gave you a little bit of a pass if you were an established coach. Um, so for me, I have the New England Patriots as number one with Belichick being Belichick, Bill O'Brien being a huge upgraded offensive coordinator, and they have some combination of Gerard Mayo and Steve Belichick being on defense, but we all know who's coaching the defense. We all know who's doing that, and it's Bill. And so that's enough to get yeah. you the top spot. Um, I have Buffalo at number two with McDermott and Ken Dorsey. Um, the question here is no more Leslie Frazier in Buffalo. Eric Washington is the um, the highest uh, ranking defensive coach for them. Sean McDermott, I think, is going to be calling plays there in Buffalo. So I don't want to take away from them too much for that. So I have Buffalo at number two, sixth overall. Uh, And then I have Miami at three, uh, McDaniel and Frank Smith. And then the big thing is Vic Fangio on defense. That's just a huge upgrade for them to have him as their defensive coordinator. Uh, And then I have the Jets uh, with fourth. Um, I'm I'm not in love with this coaching staff. I think Salah still has stuff to prove. Nathaniel Hackett's coming off a year in which he was abysmal as a head coach. I have question marks about him as an offensive coordinator. I know everyone wants to point to the success that Rodgers has had, but go look at where Hackett has had other stops where he's been the primary play caller and the numbers aren't fantastic. They're not wow. They're, they don't blow you away. Um, and Jeff Ulbreich, I mean, he's really just taking orders from Salah, but he is the defensive play caller, so it's not like Salah's calling the defensive plays. Um, and mm-hmm. I haven't been super impressed. I had them all the way down at 23rd uh, in all of football, so they're fourth for me. Yeah, I feel like that was how I'd have them ranked. Patriots, Bills, Dolphins, Jets. I think one and two are very close, and if Leslie Frazier yes. didn't leave Buffalo, you could Different argue story. that they're the best – coaches in the division obviously bill's legacy just you have to keep him at number one until he falls off a cliff uh number three i did i would put the dolphins although i'm a lot higher on rob Sala than you are but i understand that that comes with a lot of risks um i don't know where i'd stack them up comparatively to the whole league but the dolphins and the jets are close to me uh Sala does have in-game management issues that he needs to get ironed out quickly because i feel like the team around him on field is doing enough to to win the mm-hmm. game. And if he just didn't slip up a couple weird times here and there, they could have taken advantage of those moments. Like you said, Jeff Ulbrich is kind of just the the guy in the in the room while Saul was teaching the defense. And he kind of hinted at that a little bit on his uh, podcast interview with uh, Eric Allen, the Jets official podcast, when he talked about going through the the scarring of playing young defensive players all in their first season when they were one of the worst defenses in the league and how Sala wanted to stay true to the method and just keep doing the same thing. Don't switch it up and try to confuse them by doing different coverages and different techniques. Keep them in the same, you know, two or three techniques and let's learn that. And it worked. It obviously ended up working, but the way he worded it made it seem like he wasn't fully on board. And I'm not saying it was like, oh, you're fired if you don't want to do it my way. But it does sound like Robert Sala has a big voice in that defensive room, despite him letting Albrick call the plays and do installs and whatever he has to do. And Nathaniel Hackett, yeah, if it's the Aaron Rodgers effect, Nathaniel Hackett, that gold zone, Nathaniel Hackett that we get, hell yeah, I'm on board. But if it's not, it's really troublesome. And obviously Rodgers can overcome that regardless, I think. But it's also going to be very hard to – gauge Nathaniel Hackett's success because Rogers influence in the offense, he can check out of a play like that. So it doesn't really matter what Nathaniel Hackett calls because if Rogers sees an alert on the left side and Hackett alluded to this as well in his podcast with Peter Schrager, Rogers throws alerts on routes on plays that Nathaniel doesn't even teach. So it's just silly how much freedom 
Rodgers yep. will end up having in this offense. So it's very hard to gauge where the coaching staff is. So yeah, they have to be four. Yeah. Uh, do we want to reveal how we have it? Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to present the screen now and show our. I'm sorry. Spreadsheets. I'm sorry, folks. It's unfortunate, but it looks like we both have. The Jets in third place. Okay, we should start with the first one. The New England Patriots are in fourth place. By Uh, a mile. They are so far uh, behind the other teams in this division, it's not even close. Yeah, and you can see it just based on the aggregate numbers. Those are the averages down the bottom. And then obviously ranked one Just look at their columns. We got a lot of fours in that column for New England that we don't have. Exactly. It, It didn't start off hot for me, and it didn't end well for me with the New England Patriots. Um, I'm on the left side. Chris is on the right side. You can see we have a difference at the top. Um, perhaps I'm going a little bit more legacy with the bills. And I, I understand Chris's, um, thinking with the bills hitting that glass ceiling, but I think this is the best team in the division right behind them though, is the Miami dolphins. And even closer to that is the New York jets for me. So that's going to round out my top three, Chris, you can go into your, your top three. Yeah, I mean, I, going into this season, I have always said that I think the Jets are the third best team in the division. So to see them coming at third here is not a shock. What was shocking to me is that I, I actually did ultimately have the decision be made where I had the Dolphins in front of the Bills. And and look, you can see where I think the Bill, where the Dolphins separate themselves from the rest of this division. It's right there. It's in those groups along yep. um, along the trenches. I think their trench play is just so much better than everybody else. And maybe it's buying into to some bounce back performances on the offensive line. It's certainly buying into Jalen Phillips at the edge spot, but I really look at this Dolphins team and I ask myself this question. If the, if the season ended today and the Dolphins were in first, the bills were in second, the jets were in third and the Patriots in fourth, would I be absolutely shocked based on what I feel about these teams? And for me, the answer is no, because I think if Tua is healthy, this Dolphins team can very easily win 12 or 13 games and, and win this division. They are Overall, I'll actually give you a little bit more context here. Overall, defensively, the Miami Dolphins, for me, had the best average ranking among defensive categories in all of football. Their average defensive ranking was a seven. They were a top seven group on average across the defense. That's how highly I view their defense going into 2023. Um, Offensively, I'm a little bit lower on them. I have them down at um, 17th. They were at an average offensive ranking of 17.2. So to me, really, the defense is really what's going to help them here in 2023. But uh, yeah, I'm super high on the Dolphins this year. I think, again, if Tua stays healthy, if Tua doesn't stay healthy, then I think the Bills are the favorites, right? Um, That's just how I see it breaking down. But I I can't sit here and completely 100% assume injury, right? And I also assumed injury in where I ranked Tua and the Dolphins. I had them third at the position. And so while, yes, that's a big deal that he might get hurt, I've kind of already caked it into the way that I did this. I had them third. I didn't rank them first or second. And so the other positions can kind of step up in that regard. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I was ultimately surprised that I had the Dolphins in front of the Bills, um, but it's close. I will tell you that let me let me let me get this on offense. Here's where I have all the teams ranked. I have Buffalo 15th. I have the Jets 16th, the Dolphins 17th and the Patriots 26th. Overall, in the course of the National Football League, that's where they average rank on offense. On defense, it's Miami 1, Buffalo 2, the Jets 11, and the Patriots 19. That's how their average rankings play out for me across the entire league. So it's truly a three-team race. It is truly three teams battling it out for the AFC East this year. So with all that that you just said, do you think that the 2023 AFC East is going to live up to the hype that the 2022 AFC West got last off season, because last year we did a lot of, I listened to a lot of podcasts, especially your, your former podcast mates, Kyle and Joe. Oh, we don't talk about Kyle and Joe. Yeah. We don't talk about them. And they said at worst, they can all go 13 and three or at best, obviously everybody in the West. And that didn't happen. It did not happen. That did not happen. Um, So yeah, is that the fear of the East this year? It never, it never plays out that way. Right. You can all, you can say that, Oh, all through all three of these teams are going to be good. Something's going to happen, right? It's going to play out in some capacity where these teams aren't going to be as good as we think they are. Right. I mean, I think looking back at it, when we looked at that division, I think we were all enticed by the idea that there were three teams behind the Kansas City Chiefs that were in a position that were in a position, not that they were going to do this, but they were in a position to be competitive with them. 
Yes. Now, I would remind everybody that while the Chiefs are the defending Super Bowl champs, and that's all that matters at the end of the day, the Chargers played them close both times they played them last mm-hmm. year. So it's not as if like the division is solely by, is like way behind the Chiefs. The Chargers played them close both times last year. So do I think it lives up to that hype? No, just because I don't think it, it it's possible. I don't think it can. Um, but it's going to be competitive. Those division games, I'm already dreading the last game of the season being against the Patriots. Already have a yes. nightmare. Yes, it's definitely I'm already not, nervous. It, it's definitely not advantageous, especially because everybody knows when the Jets are a win and in type of situation, the last person you want to see is Bill Belichick. So it did make me a little nervous looking at the oh, schedule. I've already I've already What's predicted up? it. I've already predicted it. I've said this on I've said this on a, a podcast that I've done. Um that the the New York Jets, if 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 the Jets curse is real, right? And I don't believe in curses, but if it's real. That the Jets do have a curse on them for for Joe making the the guarantee everything right there if there truly is a curse on them, then the Jets trading a draft pick to New England so that they could take a kicker comes back to haunt them the last week of the season when Chad Ryland hits a game winning kick against the Jets to knock them out of the playoffs. That's how it goes down, folks. That's how it happens. If the curse is real, that's how it'll play out. I'm just preparing you all so far in advance. I've done that really well to not let that type of negativity enter my summer. So when you say stuff like that, that really like gets me thinking that shit, that that could actually happen. Last time we saw the Jets play the Patriots, it was three to three until the last play of the game. So that is a realistic, obviously Aaron Rodgers could change those sure, things. But and it's you the last to, game of the season. And yep. it could be wild. Yeah, we're not, we're not going to end on that note on the show. I just wanted to get your quick thoughts um, two quick things real quick. I know we're hitting the hour mark. Uh, Revis versus Joe Klecko, much to do about nothing, a little what bit of petty stuff. And Hard Knocks being forced down the Jets' throat. I know it's not your favorite show in the world, but well, how, how do you just feel about these things? And we'll get out of here. The, the Revis Klecko thing just didn't make sense to me. I was very confused by the whole ordeal. Like, I was just like, can we not? Can we not? We got a great season coming up. Can we not have this stuff going on uh, in the background? So, uh, well, I... I don't want to get involved in the the Darrell Revis versus Joe Coleco, whatever's going on there. I want no part of it. Uh, when it comes to Hard Knocks, look, I, I've been on the record saying that I I don't consume Hard Knocks. I'm not a fan of it. Just it's not my cup of tea. But I know for a lot mm-hmm. of people, it is their cup of tea. They really do like it. Um, here's what I would say: if they force it down, if they force it down the Jets' throats, and they and they pick them, which is well within Hard Knocks and HBO's rights, part of the contract that mm-hmm. they have with the National Football League. I'm not going to be upset. I'm not going to be upset at HBO deciding. You know what? You know, it'd be really good TV. Let's pick Aaron Rodgers and the New York Jets. Like, I'm not going to be upset at them. Exactly. With that. Here's the thing I will say, though. I don't want to hear from any fan who watches Hard Knocks and goes, oh, this is boring. What's going on here? Why is it boring? Guess what? Just because they pick the Jets doesn't mean the Jets have to play nice in the sandbox. You can pick us, but we, we may not want to participate the way you think we want to participate. And so I don't want to hear the complaints about, oh, this is boring. This stinks. Okay, then blame HBO for picking a team that made it very clear we want nothing to do with this. Then that's on HBO. I don't want to hear any complaints against the Jets. Yeah, I saw a tweet that the Jets could just sit um, Michael Clemens down for every interview and just have him stare into the camera just to like get back at HBO. And, you know, they could take that route, whatever. I don't necessarily think that it's as much of a distraction as everybody says. And perhaps yeah, it's yeah. different I don't inside agree the with building. That. I don't agree and, with the distraction talking point. And I, I understand that. But I also right. don't, and I, I understand why you don't want to do it. It's just annoying. Yes. I completely understand not wanting to have all your offices fixed with all the equipment and this and that. And they're just intruding on your everyday life when you're just trying to do your work and get, get it done with. And New York has always been that team when it's like, oh, everything's good until it's not. So right. it's going to be tough. And we have one Jets drive already. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to pick a side on Revis or Klecko either. No. I thought the whole thing was petty. I didn't even research the full thing because I just, I, I said, it. I was like, I just want actual football. Give me July 22nd when the Jets are back in Florham Park, their first training camp day. Give me those storylines. I don't want to hear this non-football related storylines. So we just got to we got to get into it. I mean, but this is what the summer rankings are going to do for the Jet Nation YouTube channel. If you stick around with us for the next six weeks, we're going to break down every single position. I got a schedule written down right here next week on the 6th. We're going to start with quarterbacks and special teams. That's going to be a fun one. And it's going to take us all the way up the day before the Hall of Fame game, August 2nd. And then we'll play the Cleveland Browns on Thursday, August 3rd. We're 30-something days away from 
Jets football happening, and it's actually really exciting. The offseason went super fast because they're coming back early, but I'm not going to be mad about it. I kind of feel for the players, I understand, but I'm not going to be mad about it one lick as a fan because I'm so excited to see Aaron Rodgers throwing it around in practice. So any final thoughts before we get on out of here, Chris? No, I'm super excited about this series. Um, you know, I've been talking about this for the last couple of weeks and, and putting this together, yeah. and, and you've kind of put together the schedule, and I'm really excited um, to reveal it and have these conversations over the next couple of weeks. And the exciting part is, is it's going to lead us right into the start of training camp and preseason and all that stuff. And then, and then it really truly is time. And I think for the first time in a really long time, when the jets kick off on week one of 2023, there's going to be a different buzz and a different atmosphere about that team. Um, and that's what I'm looking forward to. Uh, it's going to be a roller coaster ride. I think, I think it's going to be bumpy throughout the year, uh, but it's going to be really, really exciting. So I'm, I'm looking forward to, to, doing this series, getting the summer kind of rolling, and then getting us closer and closer to Jets football. So it should be a lot of fun. Yep. All these rankings are going to culminate in Chris and I giving our final roster rankings, one through 53, maybe even a little bit more. And it's going to be a lot of fun, a lot of detail, a lot of groundwork has gone into this series. We're really hoping that it really hits and you guys love the the content that we're bringing you this summer because I know the summer is really hard if you don't have the sources to – create your own content as in, in far as rumors and whatnot. So we're going to do our best here on Jet Nation YouTube channel. We really appreciate everybody's viewership. For me, you can follow me on Twitter at DTerriman. You can follow Chris Schubert at Chris Schubert underscore on Twitter. You can follow Jet Nation on all social media platforms, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter. We probably have a MySpace too. And we'll catch you next week as we break, off, uh, break down the quarterback position and the special teams. Have a good week. and. Let's go Jets. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.